0: Since pre-colonial times, women have played a key role in shaping Mexican cuisine.
4: And in this episode, we will explore the unsung heroes of Mexican culinary history.
0: Yes! Yay! I'm excited about this one.
4: My name is Eva Longoria.
0: And I am Maite Gomez-Rejon. And
4: welcome to... Hungry for History. A podcast that explores our past and present through food.
0: On every episode, we'll talk about the history of some of our favorite dishes, ingredients, and beverages. So make yourself at home. Y
4: I only know about past cooks and cookbooks because of you. I mean, of course people preceded us.
0: Many, 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 many. I'm obsessed with cookbooks. I actually came with... Prepared. I I love show and tell. I know. Mike always brings... I always bring goodies. Goodies. I wanted to talk about... I wanted us to talk about these two women and Mm -hmm. then sort of expand from there. Mm -hmm. But these two women are very significant Mexican women in culinary history. This book that you have here is called Manual de Cocina Michoacana.
4: So the Michoacan Manual of
0: Cooking. Michoacan Manual of Cooking. Mm -hmm. But it's not just cuisine from the state of Michoacan. Mm -hmm. It's actually the first cookbook Mm -hmm. published by a woman, written by a woman in Mexico. And it's attributed to a woman named Vicenta Torres de Rubio, who had a newspaper column. And she solicited recipes from women around the country through her, through her column. Mm. So if you look at some of the recipes, wow. they read like "Querida Vicenta," and then da 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 da. So they share the recipes, and then it's signed. You it's-
4: should see this book that I'm holding in my hand. It's ancient. And it's thick. It looks like a novel. This yeah. does not look like a cookbook. It's no, actually no. the size of my hand. It's
0: it's huge. And it's, it's like, fat, but it's, tiny. There's like a thousand recipes or something like, I mean, there's a ton of recipes in there. So Vicenta Torres de Rubio is interesting. She solicited recipes through her column from mm-hmm. women around the country. And she's the first woman to enter the cookbook marketplace. And this is a this was a very big deal. I mean, the first cookbook published in Mexico wasn't until the uh, 1830s, considering the long you know, history of just cuisine in Mexico in general.
5: Mm-hmm. So for the
0: first time, somebody in Baja would know what a person from Yucatan was cooking, wouldn't mm-hmm. know what a person in, in Tamaulipas was cooking. So it was the first cookbook to, in a sense, unify cuisine. Mm. So it was written in 1896, which was right in the middle of the Porfiriato, right, this period that lasted between 1876 to the the revolution of 1910. Of
4: dictatorship.
0: Of dictatorship. Porfirio Diaz, he was a Francophile. He opened the country to foreign investments, and the rich became very rich, and Mm. the poor were even poorer. Yeah. So it was 1896, the sort of revolutionary ideas were already brewing, and this cookbook really reflects that. Mm. So we have dishes like pozole. This is an indigenous dish. Next to, you know, aspic and just sort of very French cuisine or very Spanish recipes. Like there's bechamel sauce and different aspects and then things like paellas, you know, next to pozole, menudo. And just it's the first cookbook to actually do this. You know what's
4: so funny is like we did the tequila episode and how... Tequila was arm-in-arm arm with the revolution as well. Food Absolutely. follows people and people follow food. You know,
0: it's it's a cookbook, but she also has recipes on entertaining. She has recipes, you know, for perfumery and just...
4: Perfumes, to, essential know, to, oils for <laughs> lustrous hair.
0: She does, you know, she does everything. So she really unified women across the, the nation. Yeah. Um, and since her, we start seeing a cookbook market for women, by women. Mm. So she was really the first person to do this. And then it took a few decades, and the next person to do this was a woman named Josefina Velázquez de Leon, who was a powerhouse. Vicenta solicited recipes from around the country, but Josefina Velázquez de Leon she, in her car, started traveling around the country. And teaching. And teaching classes mm. and learning from local cooks, yeah. taking their recipes and publishing recipes. She had a radio show. Yeah. She, had a she had a TV show TV in Mexico. Show. When yeah. Mexico went... TV was in its infancy. Yeah. She had a cooking school. My grandmother actually took cooking classes from her in Mexico what? City.
4: What? Oh, my gosh. And so she was pioneering for this um, almost like entrepreneurship as a woman. Like exactly. She had, she had business goals.
0: She had business goals. We said she was
4: that- the first Mexican Martha Stewart. She
0: really was. <laughs> she really is. And so she widowed young. Okay. And at the time, if you widowed young, you had more opportunities. So she opened up a cooking school in her home. Um, she ran it with her two sisters. She opened up a, her own printing press. She self-published around 150 cookbooks. She wow. traveled the country collecting recipes, writing recipes, and in her cooking school, she offered night classes so that women who weren't a part of the workforce were able to learn to bake or cook, to cater and to start businesses from their homes.
4: And she did, look at this one, this is hers, and it's English and Spanish.
0: That. Book is amazing. This one. I, this one is amazing. It's called
4: Mexican Cookbook Devoted to American Homes and it has the Mexican and American flag on the cover.
0: Isn't that amazing? You could still oh, find it. Oh, there's them. a picture of her. Yeah. There she is. So she published this book that sort of combines all of the regions of Mexico. So just so that you could see that Mexican food is not one thing, but mm. it's so Super many. Super diverse. Yeah. So, 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 so diverse. But I
4: love that these two were women like they were women.
0: Women really innovating the cookbook world. Totally. Isn't that interesting? It's so interesting. And like you said, she was the Mexican Martha Stewart. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had a cooking school. She had a TV show. Yeah. She traveled the country. Mm-hmm. You know, she sold different brands at her school. Mm-hmm. And so she used advertising to get her word out. And she had the recipes. And you used, you know, such and such a flower. And you could buy yeah. the flower at well. But how many school? women
4: in this moment, whether – in Mexico or the United States were amazing quote unquote chefs by the way in their homes and never really thought to like I should write these down and sell this like you women didn't in that moment didn't see that as a commodity like right. they just thought of course I know these recipes in my head right but these women were like no I'm going to put it in a book I'm going to sell it I'm going to teach it I'm going to spread it like it was, it's pretty revolutionary in this moment did either of these women have formal training no they just self-taught.
0: They just they're completely they self-taught. Wow.
4: They're completely self-taught. Isn't that crazy you could that you she did a cooking
0: school and she was self-taught herself. She was self-taught. She learned how to cook and she learned how to teach what she was making and she learned from other people so she was completely self-taught and she saw the value of this and to put this down in writing. Mm-hmm. You know. And also she was the first person to publish a Mexican cookbook devoted to American homes. This was Purely Mexican food. She published this in Spanish in 1946, in English, bilingual, so literally two columns. One column is in Spanish, one column is in English.
4: Mexican flag cocktail. Tequila. tequila. I love a pint of tequila. (laughs) Wow. Jamaica, grapes, and cherries. That sounds fun.
0: Were there cooking schools before hers? Not Mexican cooking schools. There were French cooking schools, but there were no... She was the first person to have a cooking school in Mexico. Wow. She was a, a true force. She was a powerhouse. And then she died really young. And Aww. her sisters just put everything outside the store and everything was gone. And just like that, boom, nobody heard of her. Wow. How did you find her? I was doing research at the L.A. Public Library and I came across this book, the Mexican mm-hmm. cookbook devoted to varying her numbers. And I thought it was really interesting, um, because she talks about the history. So there's a whole section on beans and there's a whole next section on, on corn and neat yeah. And she talks about substitutions. You know, this is 1940s. If you can't find poblano peppers, use bell peppers. Yeah. So she, so she talks about all of this in the 1940s. I thought it was so interesting. I asked my mom, like, who is this person? She's like, Oh yeah. Your grandmother used to take class. Your grandmother used to talk about her all the time. Thank <laughs> And she said, you know, the 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 pandelote, which yeah. is like a cornbread, but more yeah. like a custard that yeah. my mom used to make. She's mm-hmm. like, it's a Josefina. And eh? so this is my grandmother's recipe. Oh, this is her cookbook? This is my grandmother's cookbook. It's oh. falling apart. Um, and then I became just obsessed. And then I came across an article in Savour by Leslie Tellez, who's oh, yeah. a food writer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and then I reached out to Leslie. I was like, I want to know more. I want to know more. more. Yeah. And now every time I go to Mexico, I just go to bookstores and I've been able to To find, you know, a few, but it's nothing is digitalized. So her legacy, there are no TV programs in existence, no radio show Mm. existing. She just kind of disappeared. Don't go anywhere. Hungry for History will be right back.
2: I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: So who's Diana Kennedy? So Diana Kennedy passed away. Yeah. She was 99, 99, I believe. And she wrote a cookbook called The Cuisines of Mexico, her first cookbook, 1972. She's British American. woman. No, British! No, she's British! She's not even Mexican. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's a British woman. In her first cookbook, she attributes Josefina's work oh. for inspiring her to do what she did. And she did the same thing that Josefina did. She traveled to the country, collected recipes, but she changed the recipes. I don't know, Josefina may have changed the recipes as well. I have no idea. Vicenta certainly didn't because she publishes them like they were sent to her. So they're published in in English. I don't think they were translated into Spanish until many years later. So they were definitely for an American audience. Mm -hmm. And the first book is called The Cuisines of Mexico with an S, which Mm -hmm. was very groundbreaking in the U.S. Like, what do you mean cuisine? What do you mean it's not just tacos and tequila? it's not not just one cuisine. (laughs) She started basically collecting recipes and publishing them. And she's like, wow, the savior of Mexican cuisine." And Diana she's Kennedy. Diana Kennedy. Yeah. In Mexico as well. I mean, I think really? by a, by a, Because
4: Josefina was forgotten Josefina, and. Yeah. And never really celebrated. No. So they thought that Diana,
0: Diana Kennedy was like the pioneer of this. And she was, you know, she's British. So she's was some sort of an authority especially among the Mexican elite oh it's you know Diana Kennedy is this authority and she did you know she she lived in Mexico for her whole life she went to all of the regions she met with indigenous cooks Mm. and wrote down their recipes but then she never really credited them like where yeah
4: do you celebrate her or do you condemn her and this was in the 70s
0: her first book was in the 70s. Okay. And she was good friends with Craig Claiborne, who was the food critic of the New York Times at the time. He was the one that encouraged her to teach cooking classes before she started writing books. But I wonder, though, what was her attraction to Mexican cuisine? Paul Kennedy was her husband, and he was a journalist for the New York Times, and he focused on Latin America. So she oh. lived in Mexico, already knew a lot about Mexican politics and history oh, wow. through him. They moved to Mexico Soon after he got sick, they moved back to New York. Mm -hmm. He passed away, stayed in New York for a while, and then she decided to just move back to Mexico. She lived in this, in in Michoacán.
4: I love cookbooks. Mm -hmm. I love cookbooks. I read them like novels. I sit down, I have a cup of coffee, I read it page by page, front to back, (laughs) and then I doggy flap anything I want to cook. Yeah. and, And I go back to it, or don't go back to it, but like, I... Love a good cookbook.
0: Me too. I love them because I love that if you read between the lines of cookbooks, Mm -hmm. it really tells you everything about the time and place. And the person. And the person. Yeah. My
4: cookbook I called uh, A Memoir of My Life Told Through Food.
0: I love your cookbook. Tell us about your cookbook. That's how we met.
4: Yes, but this was like 11 years ago. I'm writing a new one right now. Ah. But it was hard. Cookbooks are hard with a very small return unless you're Martha Stewart or, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, I mean, just the recipe testing and the, you know, I don't measure anything. And I would be like, you yeah, know, I don't know, it has lemon. They're like, okay, how much lemon? I'm like, a lemon, a squeeze of lemon. Oh, okay. Is it a big lemon, a medium lemon, a yellow lemon, a Meyer lemon? I was like, a lemon! Just put the lemon! Oh, my God! And I hated the process. Because you're much more intuitive. Yeah. And I hated that that you had to be exact. And when I get a cookbook, I hate when it's not exact. Yeah, that's the thing. Because you want cold water. How much cold water? When do I put it in? Yeah, how cold? Ice cold or ice cube cold? Or like yeah. So I get it and I understand it. But if you looked, it was like it started in a lot of Mexican food. My cookbook. And then I uh, married a Frenchman and we spent all of our summers in France and I learned all these amazing sauces and croissants and bread. So I, that was in there. And then I had some obviously American dishes. Mm-hmm. And so it was so funny because people are like, oh, my God, you can literally see who you are. Through your recipes
0: it's that you so have. It's so true. I love your ropa vieja recipe. Oh, it's amazing. It's so easy. It's, it's a lot so of ingredients, easy, but, it's but it's so, so easy. easy.
4: Yeah. I see. I was a crock pot person.
0: I'd, I'd make it in a crock
4: pot. Yeah. And, but I'm saying growing up. Okay. A, we were crock pot family because my mom loved to like turn it on in the morning when we got home after school. It's ready. Beef stew, you know.
0: So was your, was your mom a big influence on cooking, on your cooking? The
4: home cooks in my household were my aunt Elsa. She was a caterer. Because she did weddings and quinceaneras and bar mitzvahs. And we all had to work for her eventually. Like, you know, we had to go and staff. We were child labor. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so she's the one that really taught me how to cook. She was like my grandma because she was my mom's oldest sister. Okay. And she raised my mom. My mom wasn't a great cook, I'm telling you. She was a hamburger helper, open a can of beans, can of spinach, can of beets. Okay. Uh, uh, it's all canned. Can, can, cans. Like she'd open the can of corn, and she would put the can of beans, and put it together with some ground beef, and that was it.
0: And it was just fuel. It, yeah, I mean it was, it was like, like, ease,
4: like, and it was hot. Okay. And it was quote unquote homemade. You know what I mean? It wasn't fast food, right? But it's funny because I made something the other day, and my mom goes, "This is amazing." I go, "Mom, you taught me that." You. You told me that she goes, "No, I didn't." Like she was like, "I don't know where you learned this, but it wasn't me."
0: My mom was an amazing, amazing, amazing cook. Like even in elementary school, we wouldn't go with just a regular lunchbox like all of the other kids. She would come to school during lunch, and she had we had these three-tiered lunchboxes with warm food. So the top would have either a super salad, and then the middle would have the the main dish, maybe it was a stew or maybe it was chicken or maybe it was fish, it was something warm. And then the bottom tier would have dessert, like a little piece of cake or a little piece of flan. Every day, my mom used to come to school during lunch and deliver these little lunchboxes to my brothers and I. And the kids were always like, oh, what what is my day eating today? I just, I was so proud. You would think as a kid that I would be like, "Uh, I just want a Hello Kitty lunchbox. But no, I was just, I loved this. After the break, we talk Thanksgiving and Pozole. Plus, we visit a San Judita celebration in Montebello, California, organized by Chef Elsa Chan.
5: I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there. I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community
3: Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
0: I recently attended a community party in Los Angeles honoring San Judas Tadeo, also known as San Juditas or St. Jude in English. The event was hosted by Elsa Chan. Elsa is the perfect person to highlight in an episode about home cooks and Thanksgiving. Her son Juan is the chef and owner of EK Balam, a catering company and pop-up restaurant in Los Angeles they started together that focuses on traditional Yucatecan food inspired by Elsa's home cooking. Here's a taste of my time at Elsa's annual party that gives thanks to San Juditas. So today is a very special episode. As you can hear, there's a lot of music in the background. And today we're celebrating a woman named Elsa Chan, who is an amazing cook. And we're actually in her friend's backyard. And they are celebrating San Judas Tadeo, the patron saint of lost causes. Dormíamos en el parque, yo y mis tres hijos. Y yo muchas veces le pedía a Sanjuditas o a Dios que me ponga algo bueno en mi camino. So we asked her, why San Juditas, Why this party for this saint? And she's telling us that when she moved to Los Angeles, she had two young children praying, praying, praying for a roof over the head. And she hosts this party every single year in honor of San Cuiditas to thank him. And there's a mass, and there's music, and there's dancing, and there's lots and lots of food and people, and she invites the community. It's all ages. It's in her friend's backyard where she at one point lived. And she has this yearly festival and thanks to San Juanitas. She got her offer. She prayed to him and he responded. Are you an assigner of Thanksgiving? You know, it's funny. I This is our Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. I never really, we never really celebrated Thanksgiving. What? I know. <gasps> I know. What? It's great. I
4: know. Well, now that's that feels like
0: um, appropriate to not celebrate Thanksgiving. I mean, it, well, we, I mean, we did. But my parents were Mexican, like Mexico, Mexico. First, I'm um, first generation, oh so we would have Thanksgiving just because you know we had a break from school. And my dad was a doctor. A patient always gave him a turkey, oh. so we'd eat the turkey, and then my mom would make sweet potato with marshmallows. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, that's a staple in my state. I love that. I and I make one. that. But that was what it was. Do you put pecans in it it? I do. I do too. I do. Oh, and, and, and cinnamon and brown sugar. Yeah, yes. Brown sugar and cinnamon butter. Yes, yes. And tons of butter. Tons of butter. But it wasn't really a thing. And I remember, you know, it, I didn't really experience an American Thanksgiving. Until I got married, really. Oh. Like, he, as an adult, because my husband loves it. I phoned up so, my brother, who you know, yeah. he's obsessed with Thanksgiving. Yeah, me too. I and was. He's too. an amazing cook. Oh, he is? I had no idea. I'm going to tease him about this. He is a good cook. I think the best turkey I've ever had, he made. He yeah. also made. Mm-hmm. So Did he fry it? He brined it. Yeah. No, he didn't fry it. He brined it and roasted it. And then roasted okay. it. Yeah. Do you brine? I brine and I fry. You do fry,
4: yeah, because usually I have to make three turkeys, and they're you have forty-five a huge minutes. Family. Really? Yeah, they're forty-five minutes each. So, it's so like, how,
0: do you have like a? Is I it a can, special fryer?
4: It's a yeah. It's a, okay. I have an electric fryer, not okay. the gas thing that blows up houses. Okay, okay, good. No. Which I did that the first year, and I was like, I don't think I should be connecting gas lines myself. You know, what? I was like, this is no, an I read it's online too dangerous. so many things of accidents, and no, there was an electric one. It's great because it's like. Super contained and so easy to use. So I, I'll bust it out now for to fry a chicken, oh, a whole really? chicken, yeah, uh, with peanut oil. Mm.
5: Um, but I'm not. A,
4: I'm not a good delegator for Thanksgiving. I've d- I did that a couple years and I hated it because it was like I go, okay, you do the green beans, you do the Brussels sprouts, and then what were the two things that tasted horrible? The, the green, green beans, beans and, and the Brussels sprouts. sprouts. So I'm like, you're never. I'm never telling you to bring that again. And people want to. Like they're like, please let me bring yeah. something. And so I always go, well, what's what's your dish? And they go no, you tell me, and I go no. What are you good at?
0: Right, and then bring
4: that. You you bring yeah. that because you're not messing up my uh, palette of. Uh, <laughs> and I'll cook Thanksgiving myself for to make everything for forty people. I mean, I just I'm like nope. I'll do the mashed
0: potato. Nope, I'm gonna do the Brussels. Nope. I like to do things myself as well, it's just because I know it's quality control, quality, quality control, and just control. <laughs> Are you a Virgo? No,
4: I'm Pisces. Okay, but I, I hate saying. people to like get they're, they're dicing it wrong, and it's why are you holding the knife that way? Oh, that's um, so funny. Yeah, don't put that in the water until it's boiling. So yeah, I'm not a good delegator. But I, Thanksgiving was huge in my household.
0: Was it huge? It was. It's more important than Christmas. Oh wow. No, for us it was Christmas. Actually, for us. Christmas, but three kings. Oh, Tres Reyes, yeah. The Reyes. But so in your house, it was,
4: it was the, the thing. It was the holiday. I mean, even now, it's like, we're getting together for Thanksgiving, right? But in Christmas, everybody goes their ways because everybody's married and the kids and the, right. and like, so I'm with my family on Christmas. And so Thanksgiving just was easier for all of us to do. And I also liked Thanksgiving better because it wasn't about gifts.
5: It was less really pressure.
4: it was about the meal. Yeah. Thanksgiving was about the meal and sitting down. And we all had to say what we're grateful for. Like mm. I love that way more than the chaos of presence yeah. and the stress of what you're getting, what you're giving. What about this person? Oh my God, I left so-and-so off my list. Da-da-da-da.
0: Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, I've experienced that now with with my husband because he loves Thanksgiving. Oh, he does. He loves Thanksgiving. Yeah. And pecan pie is like his favorite food. So every year I experience with like a different, like last um, year I made pecan pie ice cream pie. Mm. I don't know. I I just sort of invent everything. So I don't have like a thing that I make. I, I love to make everything. Oh, but your sweet potato... My sweet potato—that's your thing. My sweet potatoes, yeah, it's my thing. But now I just—I just go yeah. to his family's house, and I just—I just enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I, just I make enjoy. my own cranberry
4: sauce. Um, love, that's my favorite thing. Is a yeah. Cranberry. I have an amazing cranberry poached pears recipe, and I don't remember where I learned it. But my mom was like, "This is so fancy. It's a cooked pear." <laughs>
0: I was like Come on, so it's just so a, funny. Just a cook So funny. Like, it's so fancy. It's so funny. My mom oh, I yeah. learned yeah. from her but she's like you she doesn't measure anything and I get so frustrated because I want to know and you I want to replicate you know. Yeah. So I, I follow her I shadow her. She's like tantito or this, it's always like a little bit of this yeah. a little bit of that. But everything that she makes is is yeah. just like she comes to visit me all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And I love it and my husband loves it when she's there because she just full open the refrigerator Open the pantry, and she'll just create something. Create something. That's thing, how I am. Create something delicious. I can walk into anybody's house
4: and create a gourmet meal with whatever they have in the pantry. That's I the love that best. challenge. I would be amazing on one of those chef competitions. You should amateur be on chef one. Chef competition. Shows. Yeah. The, 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 home the home chef. Cooks. Home, cooks. home
0: cook competition. Um.
4: I actually wrote my cookbook because my aunt passed away, and she was the only one that knew the tamale recipe.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And the first Christmas we all got together to do the tamales, it was like chaos. I mean, all the aunts were arguing. You don't put the comino in the masa. You put the comino in the meat. No, you put the this, and no, the masa needs to be this. I mean, it was like it was like World War Three over tamale, the tamale recipe. Because everybody was trying to remember what Aunt Elsa did and El- uh-huh. Aunt Elsa said. And so I was like, you guys, we're going to forget all of her recipes. Let's write them down. Because my aunts remembered most of them. And so that's why I did it for her. My, my cookbook's dedicated to her uh, because I, I said, that. we've
0: got to remember everything she made. It's so important. My cousin wrote a cookbook of Yucatecan cuisine because uh-huh. my dad's from there. Her father had recently passed and mine had recently passed. So he just collected all of the recipes from whoever was still, yeah. you know, living. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful testament to the to mm-hmm. just family. But right? it is a, it's, it's, it was
4: it's the new oral history, mm-hmm. I think. The new, I mean, it's ancient, but you know, when you you would just speak recipes to each other, yeah, you know, and then now we physically can have them, and now they're online, and now they're <laughs> accessible to everybody else. And like, now
0: everybody's running a cookbook, yeah. And yeah. now
4: everybody makes sourdough. You know, <laughs> it's like The pandemic
0: sourdough. Talk yeah.
4: about the viralness and evolution of like the quote unquote recipe, mm-hmm. right? Like. The thing you used to just say to each other, and then you used to write it on a three by five index card, and then you made a book, and then you made, you know, and now you you can cook. I cook, I can cook anything. I just YouTube it. So the food media on culture has blown up because of TikTok and social media, TikTok and Instagram. Like, I get so many tips Mm -hmm. from TikTok about. How to preserve an avocado? How to chop an onion without crying? Like everybody's a food expert now.
0: And also, one has to be really careful, right, about how they present this and mm-hmm. really respectful in and and, and yeah, making credit sure credit the person
4: that you saw it from. The and, credit mm-hmm. the person,
0: the culture, the, all of that. I think. Are you
4: cut of the cloth that anybody can cook? Yeah, me too and yeah. that's why i love cookbooks.
0: And even if you can't read, i mean this is something about th- that's a whole other conversation. It's like okay, who were these cookbooks for, right? When when, you know, a lot of people couldn't read, especially some of the earlier cookbooks ever published. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you have some ingredients, you can put them together, i think that you can create something amazing. I'm absolutely of the school that anybody can cook. And anybody and everybody should cook. Yeah. Let's talk
4: pozole. I love pozole. I mean, I, I love pozole. I love menudo better because of the...
0: Because of the tripe. The tripe, the, the, beard, tri- the, the pork lining, yes. stomach lining. <laughs> I mean, it's the texture thing for me. But I love pozole. I love pozole with pork, with the chile, oh, guajillo. Yeah. I prefer the red. There's red pozole and green pozole. I prefer the red mm. pozole with tons of fresh lime yeah. and yeah. cilantro. I love a lot of hominy. So whatever. Oh, and a ton. It has a lot of hominy. And a I'm, ton of hominy. I love great. that. Both of these women have recipes for pozole. Vicente and? and Vicenta oh, and, and Josefina. Josefina. And Vicenta, she, she labels it as an indigenous dish. Oh, and she it is. It's a yeah. pre It's a pre-colonial, you know, dish. Mm. Not the pork, right? But it's a pre-colonial dish. Oh. And I love, with leftover turkey, oh, yeah. I always make pozole oh, with well, the leftover a leftover turkey.
4: What's the broth of pozole?
0: It's just, it's chile guajillo, chicken broth. Oh, it's chicken broth. Yeah. Okay. You usually make chicken. So chicken the broth is the chicken. And, and it's a great thing to do with the leftover leftover You Yeah. Turkey sandwiches or turkey. Yeah, I make turkey
4: sandwiches. What, like, there's I mean, I make turkey salad sandwiches. Turkey salad sandwiches. So yeah. many things to do. Yeah. With but grapes I think you and can, walnuts. Oh, and, that's good. Yeah. I make, people actually hope there's a lot of turkey leftover for to my famous this, turkey really? salad sandwiches. Yeah. I toast a sourdough and I do an open face Kind of um, situation,
0: and mm. everybody just goes. Oh my God! They're ready to eat again. Like it. it's usually these the holidays. It's the day after. Yeah. What, what you do with the leftovers? But it's I'm going
4: pozole. That's a great pozole idea. is
0: a great thing to do. Just something different. Yeah. To make with the uh, to make with le- leftover Thanksgiving turkey, and even pre-conquest, women played a huge role in in shaping Mexican cuisine. It, it was the women that were. Making the tamales, It was the women that were externalizing the corn and just really doing doing everything in the kitchen. And I think today, we are seeing the importance in culinary history and giving importance to recipes and where they came from. And these are two women in Mexican culinary history, but there are women like this all over the world that should be celebrated and people should know about. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you.
4: Bye, everyone. Hungry for History is an unbelievable entertainment production in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura podcast network.
0: For more of your favorite shows, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi, everyone. It's Freddie Prinz Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kinda like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
5: I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
3: The
1: cat